This work is made possible by our monthly supporters, so please consider making a monthly contribution at www.davidnoanymayor.com backslash there and back. So if you don't mind, I'd love to ask like about your career a little bit. Um, it seems like, and I, I haven't talked to you about this, but it seems like from an outsider that you pretty much, you did all the things that a professional dancer could do, really. I mean, the, the amount of experience and different people you've worked with in different places you've worked with what was staggering the more I researched it you know um so if you don't mind like just tell me a little bit about kind of your career as a dancer sure I'll try to be brief I'm not necessarily um boasting but I do want to um as the church says give honor to those that got me started and I would say uh, my first teacher Duncan Noble was um, the person that I, probably my mentor, my, um, the person that discovered me as a dancer and molded me in the early stages. Um, I then was fortunate enough to meet Agnes DeMille. And my first tour was with Agnes DeMille, American Heritage Dance Theater, which was, I think, another experiment because at the time, we did a tour beginning uh, with rehearsals in North Carolina, and we toured the entire United States. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term one night stands, but we would literally go to a city, do a show, get on the bus and drive to another city. Um, They don't do that anymore. The union doesn't allow you to, but I was 16 when I started doing that with her. graduated a little bit early from high school. We toured from, we went to Florida, across the state, Texas, to California, uh, back through Chicago. I mean, it was just, you know, amazing. And we ended up in New York. When I got to New York, a friend of mine asked me to come to an audition with him that um, Alvin Ailey was going to um, watch him in a class because he was looking for another male dancer. And because I wasn't auditioning, I was totally relaxed. I was just taking the class with him. And after it was over, Alvin asked me to join the company with him. I was still under contract with Agnes DeMille and he said to me, well, finish your contract. When you come back, I'll you know, I'll have a place for you at the company. And true to his word, he did. So um, I was fortunate enough to begin touring at a young age with Alvin. So we performed there. We went to Europe, uh, you know, just touring, lots of touring. And then we ended back in New York. Um, Obviously, um, I had an ankle injury that took me to one of my mentors and teachers, Bella Lewitsky, um, and ended up joining her company and working with her um, in California. I was at the time 20. So um, after working with Bella, I came back to New York and you know the Soho scene was starting and there were artists opening up those weird lofts that are now like prime real estate in New York and have been for many years. 
I remember living in a loft on a whole floor by myself, <laughs> you know, and we had such an amazing life as artists there because literally we would go to um, parties and the dancers would dance, the painters would paint. Um, you know, I knew Andy Warhol. I, you know, I would go to Studio 54 and see all these fabulous people like Elton John and hang out with, you know, folks that probably a young girl from Mount Airy, North Carolina would have never gotten that experience. So um, I would say that New York was my home base. But after five years of sort of doing solo work and, you know, just getting gigs and kind of dipping my foot into the commercial world, I was offered a job to go to Venezuela for six months. And I stayed six years. Um, I opened a, a studio called Cynthia Jazz Center. And from there, I became a choreographer of a television channel. Um, I probably had uh, my first or probably had uh, some sort of, you know, breakdown because <laughs> I was working so hard. Um, I was probably teaching seven classes a day and also working for the studio um, for Radio Caracas. There was a show called um, Fantastico and it was a four hour show. And sometimes they would ask me to choreograph routines in between commercials. So it, it was a lot and the language barrier. So I did learn to speak Spanish. I would say that Venezuela is my second home. Um, I decided that I wanted to leave Venezuela. And when I did, I began doing some work in Europe. I went to um, Morocco and then I went to France and Switzerland. And so, you know, I became sort of a teacher, um, came back to New York and did some more commercial work and then um, began to just teach, not perform. So when I began teaching, I met a man named Jacques D'Amboise uh, National Dance Institute, and I became very close to Jacques D'Amboise, and he became my father figure in dance, my mentor. I would say that those times with Jacques, working in inner city uh, areas in D.C. and in the New York boroughs were some of the best times of my life. So Jacques D'Amboise was a principal dancer with American, excuse me, with New York City Ballet. He um, also worked with Balanchine, who is George Balanchine. If you don't know the name, Google it. And he also um, had, he was married and had uh, twin boys and one daughter. And he wanted to start teaching at his son's school. And he, uh, he started an after-school program for young boys in the beginning um, to let them know that dance was for everyone. And he was a ballet dancer and how athletic ballet dance was. And so you're talking about an early time in the 70s, um, 80s, where there was that stigma that, you know, 
real guys couldn't do dance or I don't know what they think, but <laughs> so um, I know that he began to grow that program to where it became a national movement. And um, he is a MacArthur uh, Genius Award winner. Um, he has the Medal of Freedom um, and Jacques was a genius. Um, and he taught me how to really produce work. Um, one thing is to know how to teach, but producing something and really growing it from the ground up, as you know, um, David, that you're doing, it's it's a different skill set. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So I'm curious about this transition from being a dancer, being a professionally successful dancer, or, you know, sort of the experience in New York and then in Venezuela, um, and then what you're describing now, to to realizing that, like, you know, you wanted to impact communities, underserved communities, like in, in an emotional, in your emotional development or in your, in like kind of in your head, what, what kinds of things were you like, what did you see? I think what I saw is what we're talking about um, now a lot. I've always seen um, racism in in the United States. I've seen people of color feel as if they could not be that because of what society thinks an African-American or a Latina or anyone that is in that category of being non-white should be doing, what they should be good at. Um, we readily accept athletes like Michael Jordan um, as, you know, our heroes. But someone that is a ballet dancer, to be someone's hero and being, and if that person is a person of color, well, it's not as readily accepted in our society or even understood. Um, so we've had to go through these transitions in life and, in, and to grow up the United States of America to a place where we are more accepting of our diversities and of our different ethnic backgrounds. So that's what I learned in Winston-Salem at North Carolina School of the Arts. Um, go Pickles. That's our, our team that's called the Fighting Pickles. And um, that's what I knew I wanted to create, knowing that I had had those experiences as a young person, how detrimental it was to my growth or my emotional well-being. And being coupling that with a very diverse um, church experience, you know, knowing that because I am a believer that there is a God, that God loves us all and that he embraces us all. So that was something that I really felt strongly that I wanted to put inside of Waltown Children's Theater. And I have a board member, um, Max Rose, who was a former student. And he says, you know, Waltown Children's Theater looks like it is what the world should look like. 
And that is the biggest compliment that I could receive. That is the legacy that we carry at, at the school. That's what we take very seriously. And um, Durham is a fabulous town. Um, I've met some of the most amazing, startlingly beautiful women that have helped me um, create this, this continuous flow of children going in and out, learning lessons and going forward and becoming successful in whatever they choose to do. It's not about the performing arts, it's about the human being that learns and grows and matures as they're studying and, and understanding what the humanities of arts is about. With the arts in general, you, like you, you talked about um, people who are basically non-white experiencing all sorts of different limitations to who they are allowed to be. And um, you wanted to be able to allow them to sort of break free of that and become, you know, whoever they, they truly were. How does art help you do that? How does dance help you do that? What we have is our body. You know, we, you know, we come out of the womb and there's this body and there's this spirit and there's this creation that has come through love, hopefully, between two people. And that body you carry with you until you leave this earth. So to me, it's such a privilege to use the body as a way to understand and and transmit that love through dance. Um, you know, we all have limitations, but the thing that really impresses me with so many people that have studied dance is that when people confront their limitations, they grow and become actually changed by that, that hard struggle to master something. And so then it's like being an athlete, you know, you, you know that when you break through that wall of doubt and you become a little bit stronger each day in what you know and what you can do and how you do it, it's, it generates a, a really um, strong um, presence inside of you.